Hello and welcome to the Getting Dizzy podcast. I'm your host, Derek Zardis. This is week eight of the exploration of a new coaching program that I'm taking up, Optimize Coaching. Uh, I have four books to recommend to you this week to help improve yourself. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, the activities I'm taking this week to prepare myself to help others um, reach the goals that they want to reach. Let's jump right into the first book that I want to recommend today, and that is The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Uh, If you're not aware of who Darren Hardy is, he is the publisher of Success Magazine. And this is a great book for a number of reasons, but the key theme that he works off of here is the compound effect. That idea that if you start investing a penny today, that if you invest a penny with compound interest, that penny will grow and grow and become an avalanche of dollars at some point. He uses this metaphor in a variety of different ways, mostly talking about how you're taking small activities that are leading to routines, that are leading to habits, and those habits, eventually, once they start having the impact that you're looking for, have a larger impact on your life than you can possibly expect. Um, Key points that I took away from this book was uh, justifications for tracking the things that you are looking to change, as well as um, something that I'm gonna address a little bit later with the uh, coaching talk, and that is an AM and PM bookend to your day, making sure that your day is capped Uh, both at the beginning and the end, um, by some positive reflection. So that is, those are core points of his book. And if you're looking for a reason to justify why just a little step in the right direction can have massive effects further down the line, things like, oh, I don't feel like cutting soft drinks out of my diet will help me lose weight. Well, this is the kind of book that will help you understand the effect of those small choices that you make today to make your life in the future better. So that is The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. The second book I'm going to recommend to you today is Take a Nap, Change Your Life by Dr. Sarah Mednick, PhD. So one of the things I've been focusing on is one of the core pillars of health, which is sleep. And I have never been a good napper. And chances are, if you're listening to the podcast and you know me, you know the kind of energy that I have during the day, certainly. And uh, it's the kind of energy that I don't like to interrupt. However, I know that I haven't been getting enough sleep. So focusing on my sleep has helped me recognize some of the deficiencies that I have. And one of the ways that we can make our life better and increase our ability to take the burden off of our brain in a couple different ways is to take a nap. Um, The book lists 20 different reasons that have been scientifically proven uh, to help when you take a nap. And I'm just gonna quick list them. Uh, Taking a nap increases your alertness, speeds up your motor performance, improves your accuracy, helps you make better decisions, improves your perception, fattens your bottom line, preserves your youthful looks, improves your sex life, helps you lose weight, reduce your risk of heart attack and stroke, reduce your risk of diabetes, improve your stamina, elevate your mood, boost your creativity, reduce stress, 
help your memory, reduce dependency on drugs and alcohol, alleviate migraines, ulcers, and other problems with psychological components, improve the ease and quality of your nocturnal sleep, which seems counterintuitive, but that's a fact and it feels good. So that's 20 reasons that are listed in the book as to why you should uh, learn to love taking a nap and the benefits that are contained. So if you are sitting there saying, I, I'm not a good napper, I don't understand why that would help. Scientifically, all of those things I just lift, listed have been proven to uh, be improved when you take a nap. So with that in mind, it certainly says this is something that you should explore if even, even three of those 20 things are lacking for you. Maybe you should read this book. It's Take a Nap, Change Your Life by Dr. Sarah Mednick. Okay, the next book I want to recommend today is Lead Yourself First. I'm a big fan of personal ethics and a personal code and helping define that for yourself so that by defining it for yourself, others that you work with, others that you love, then understand where you're coming from. When you're able to easily communicate those things, uh, life gets so much better. And a lot of that is included here in this book, and that is Lead Yourself First, uh, Inspiring Leadership Through Solitude by Raymond M. Kethledge and Michael S. Irwin. Now, you're probably sitting there going, Derek, you are not the first person I think of when I think about solitude. Um, because I do, I like to immerse myself in crowds of people, uh, in crowds of friends, surround myself with people that I love and that I feel my best when I am in that situation. However, I learned a long time ago that solitude is helpful in any number of ways. I think one of the first times that I recognized the power of solitude in my life was when I was working on cruise ships and meeting and learning the names of 500 to 600 guests a week on the cruise ships, there came a point where I was becoming overloaded. And I found scuba diving to be an immense relief for me in a number of different ways. Now, granted, I was going on the boats to go scuba diving with other people, but once you're under the water, Sure, there are fish and your diving partner and things, but for the most part, you are cut off from everything else, from the amount of inputs that are uh, taxing your resources. And getting in the water and having my ears covered and just listening to the comforting sound of the sea and just being aware of myself brought me a great deal of comfort. As far as a leader's perspective, what solitude does, it, it grants four big uh, benefits, and that is clarity, creativity, emotional balance, and moral courage. This book does a great job of talking about how solitude can help solidify all of those things within your brain and then, in turn, help communicate that to others that you work with or lead, and that, in turn, becomes the magnet that draws people to your leadership. So that is Lead Yourself First, uh, Inspiring Leadership Through Solitude by Raymond Kethledge and Michael Irwin. 
Last but not least, I have another coaching book. Last week, I had some people say, Derek, thanks so much for the coaching book on basketball, but I'm not a big basketball fan. Can you give me another sport coach? And I sure can. Today, I'm going to talk about Win Forever by Pete Carroll. I know that I have one or two uh, Seattle Seahawks fans out there, and uh, Pete Carroll is the coach that took the Seahawks to the Super Bowl. And uh, he is a big fan of one of the grandfathers of the uh, positive psychology movement, uh, Maslow. You know, uh, I've mentioned Maslow and his uh, hierarchy of needs before, uh, but he was one of the first psychologists that started working with healthy uh, healthy patients to try and determine how they are there and how they could even get better. And so he is somebody that Coach Carroll really took to heart. And by the way, reading this, Coach Carroll, uh, who wrote this book, is also a huge fan of Coach John Wooden, who I recommended his book last week uh, about being a basketball coach. Um, but I'm just going to quick quote uh, Pete Carroll here. Uh, and something that really resonated strongly with me. So the idea that he was uh, asking himself eventually, what if my job as a coach isn't so much to force or, co or coerce uh, performance as it is to create situations where players develop the confidence to set their talents free and pursue their potential to its full extent? What if my job as a coach is really to prove to these kids or these people how good they already are, how good they could possibly become, and that they are truly capable of high-level performance? That's a direct quote uh, from Pete Carroll, and it really strongly resonated for me because I have always believed that when I've been in a management position, that my job was to <laughs> let my staff know that we chose them for a reason, that we chose them because they were already awesome, and that being part of that awesome team is improving and changing and constantly being ready for whatever life, business, love throws at you. So I, I really love that quote and loved a lot about this book. Uh, he is another great coach with a terrific philosophy, somebody who lost a lot. And the reason that he lost a lot, just to reflect back on that last book that I recommended, was in his earlier years, he didn't have the time, he didn't have the personal um, boost of his uh, confidence, of his own beliefs to communicate that effectively to team owners or team coaches or people who were above him. Um, but as he started to solidify his work ethic, his winning ethic, it was once he did that and was able to clearly communicate it, not just to the people he was coaching, but also to the people above him who were expecting results, that it was through constant and consistent behavior that the team would start winning. So that is Win Forever, Live, Work, and Play Like a Champion by Pete Carroll. And that is the four books that I'm going to recommend this week um, to talk a little bit about what I have been working on in the coaching world. I've mentioned it a little bit before that I have started focusing on my sleep. So one of the things that we've been doing is doing sleep math. 
the idea of how much sleep are you getting during your night? How often are you waking up? How how late are you actually going to sleep? How early are you waking up and how you are waking up? And monitoring all of that. I'm fortunate enough that the running watch that I picked up last year from Huawei has a sleep monitor. So I can see through the night where my main periods of sleep are and when I am waking up, how that affects uh, the sleep rhythms uh, and the different levels of sleep that you have. Uh, it's also one of the reasons why I'm considering adding to my day a 20 minute or 25 minute nap to try and refresh myself and bolster the kind of sleep that I'm getting uh, at the end of the night. So uh, that was the first thing. Uh, not only should you be looking at how many hours of sleep you think you are getting, um, but also take a look at the time that you are spending in bed where you are not sleeping. So for a lot of people, that is a half hour, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour of non-sleep in bed before you get to sleep. Uh, I do not have that problem. Most of the time when I get into bed for sleep, I fall asleep almost immediately within a matter of five to 10 minutes. Now, obviously, if I am overloaded, if I have thoughts that have taken me to deeper or darker places and I can't stop thinking about certain things, yep, that's gonna keep me up. But most days, most evenings, when I lay down with the intention of going to sleep, I'm asleep within 10 minutes. Um, but I know what really affects my sleep. I need that utter darkness. I've never been a big fan of having a TV in the bedroom in general. And uh, unfortunately, other people that I've lived with, uh, people that I've slept with, uh, really enjoyed having the TV playing when they were falling asleep. And for me, it was a distraction always, not just the sound, but actually the lights going on and off. It really stimulated me in a way that was difficult. So with that in mind, with the idea of stimulation, what are you doing before you're going to bed? Are you reading? Are you re reading books that are exciting, that are stimulating your imagination, that are stimulating your heart rate? That might be something that you wanna consider not doing. Uh, I may have mentioned this last week, but the new habit that we are currently building is this idea of a digital sunset. So it has been proven that the light from electronics and the stimulation from computers and laptops and uh, tablets and the phone, much less the TV, all of those things uh, stimulate the brain. So if you can, an hour before you are going to sleep, shut those things off. It is tough. I have to admit there are multiple reasons that we all stay up and, and binge watch our favorite show or get hooked onto a video game that we can't really put down the controller with. Sometimes it's our alone time, sometimes it's our break from reality or the way that we relax. And we think we need this in order to perform better and to feel better in our lives. But I'm going to tell you that the science clearly says there is nothing better that you can do for yourself and your overall health than to get the sleep that you need. So if you're looking at your sleep and you're not getting that eight, nine hours of sleep, I know it sounds crazy. You sit there and go, Derek, I have such a full life. I have people who depend upon me. I have two jobs and multiple kids. 
if you're not getting that eight to nine hours sleep, you need to figure out how can I get that sleep? It is the best gift that you can give yourself. And so one of the ways that you're gonna help ensure that is stop having those inputs uh, into your plugged into your brain within that last hour of your day. Because the more input that you have, the more stimulation you have, and the more difficulty you are going to have getting to sleep. So ideally, that time is be, should be used to get ready for your next day. So we've talked about AM and PM bookends, the way you start your day, the way you end your day, helping you to make the rest of your day an awesome sandwich, if you will. And so you would think that we would talk about the AM uh, bookend first, you know, to start your day, the best way to start your day is with a good breakfast. But the fact of the matter is, is that what really affects your AM bookend is your PM bookend. Think about all of the exciting days that you've ever had, whether it was a race day, whether it was a performance, whether it was a child's first Holy Communion or your wedding day. There was probably a point the night before where you were taking stock of the things you needed to do the next day in order to be successful, in order to have the happiest day of your life, in order to have a great trip, in order to make sure you got to the airport and you didn't forget your passport. And that usually involves some sort of end of the day checklist that you were making sure things were in their place. As my father loves to say, everything in its place. Do I have everything packed? Do I have all of my important documents? Do I have the things that I need on this trip or in this event? And chances are you've done that often enough that you know what your routine is for having a great day. So imagine what you would do if you had that routine in your life every single day, as if you prepared for every single day to be a great day. Now, I know. That's exhausting, trust me. There are, as I'm going through this coaching process, I am exhausted. I am trying to be my best as a coach. I'm trying to be my best as a teacher, which is my day job. I'm trying to be the best lover. I'm trying to be the best boyfriend. I'm trying to be the best brother or best friend. And it's exhausting. And one of the things you also need to make sure is that you're taking care of yourself. And I'm gonna flip back there. That's where making sure you're getting the rest and sleep and perhaps personal time and solitude that you need uh, is really going to play a, a key part. So uh, I, during the last, the end of last year, I made a recommendation every day in the month of December of uh, books that you need to read. And uh, I think the first or second book that I recommended was Why We Sleep. And that is written by the newest guru of sleep. I mean, there are tons of books about sleeping. Uh, everybody from Arrington, uh, Ariana Huffington has written a book about sleep um, right up to this guy. It doesn't matter which book that you're reading, but if you read this book, Why We Sleep, uh, it's going to have the most recent scientific studies uh, that justify what this does for you and your day. And planning 
and structuring yourself what you want to get out of the next day is just a logical step because as you're sleeping on top of that, when your brain is functioning uh, on problems, one of the key problems that it will function on, function uh, with while you're sleeping is what was the last thing that you were addressing to it before it went to sleep, you know? And if the last thing that you are addressing with your brain before you go to sleep is how can I be better at what I'm doing tomorrow? Your brain will start working on that. And so if you are starting to establish new habits, things like making sure you drink water first thing in the morning or making sure that you wake up and do some activity or you wake up and you don't look at your smartphone the first thing that you roll over, um, your brain will actually start envisioning a pathway towards that success. I remember when I first started running longer distances, especially when I started racing, when I was planning my day um, in the, when I was planning my uh, race day the night before, my ex-wife would tell me that during the night, I would have my legs in constant motion. And I'm fairly certain that one of the reasons my legs were in motion was because I was running the course of the race the next day, imagining a great run, imagining my legs working like beautiful train pistons going uh, over and over on the wheels and just smoothly going along on uh, tracks of steel. So um, I, really, I really am enjoying this portion of the coaching. It's not particularly deep and it's not particularly difficult because it's not the kind of habits that I'm truly struggling with. Like I said, I get to sleep fairly early and I recognize the importance of sleep in my life. So um, other people I know I need to convince of that because I have friends and family who operate on seven hours of sleep, six hours of sleep, five and a half hours of sleep. And they say, hey, I operate best on five and a half hours of sleep. And my answer to that is, if you think you are operating wonderfully on five and a half hours of sleep and science tells us that you really need to be getting eight, imagine what your life would be like if you got an extra hour of sleep on top of that. If you feel you're operating already at your optimum, imagine what giving an extra hour to sleep could do. And in order to do that, what are you going to cut out? Are you going to cut out playing that video game until all hours of the night? Are you going to only watch one episode of the show that you're binging instead of three before bed? Uh, are you perhaps going to set a goal of only reading two chapters of the book that night instead of five or until you pass out? Um, what are you going to give up in order to knowingly give yourself the gift of improvement the following day. So uh, that's what I'm working on right now for my coaching, and it's something that I'm asking of you at the moment. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate each and every one of you who gives me feedback, not only lets me know what you like, but what you don't like, and also what you need. I am looking for a book that is about this. I am waiting to hear how you address this portion of your life with uh, the coaching regiment or algorithms. 
I, I'd love to hear from you. Please reach out either on Facebook or in an email, or if you have my phone number, you can always text or uh, message me. This has been Derek Zardis on the Getting Dizzy podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day.